It's nothing, dear. I can't sleep. Not the end of the world. I just can't sleep, that's all. It's probably all that lamb you had for dinner. Yeah, probably. Or maybe it was the onions. I told you not to eat all those onions. They always upset your stomach. How can a man not eat onions? I'd rather not live than go without onions. Or maybe it was all the pita bread you ate. Or the sweets. Maybe it was the sweets. You know how you are with the sweets. Or maybe... Okay, okay, I get your point. Maybe God is punishing me for my gluttony. I never said a word about gluttony. Of course you didn't. So what is it, Lord? Is it just all the lamb? Is that it? Is the lamb trying to tell me I'm too old to eat this late at night? Or maybe the lamb is trying to tell me something else. Maybe you're trying to tell me something, to show me something. Maybe you've been trying to tell me something, to show me something, or all kinds of something. All these dreams I've been having, some of them so strange, visions, dreams, what to call them. Almighty, so you have given me these visions. What am I supposed to do with these? Are they for me? For Israel? For your people? Or maybe they're for some far off ones that I will never know. I'm trying to be faithful, to write them down. But there are so many things I've seen, and it's all so strange. A rescuer is coming. That's what I saw. That's what you showed me. A virgin girl and a baby. What am I to think of that? So strange. It's okay. You can come in. He won't bite. He's just a baby. <laughs> Your that's, that's fine. You just stand there. Your friends left in such a rush, too. Go tell the world, I think is how they put it. But I'm glad that you're content to just stand here and watch. I understand. I can't take my eyes off of him. I knew in my heart that he would not be ordinary, that this would not be ordinary. All of this, I knew that it would not be just his father and I. Somehow I knew that the faithful would be upon us. An angel visited me, a mighty one, even before my boy was born. He told me, 
the angel that my boy would be great, the son of God. He said, the king of angels, the king of all. My mother gave me this blanket. When I was just a little girl, I've worn it out. She called it the gift of love. When we were packing for Bethlehem, I wanted to bring it. Joseph said, no, (laughs) we must pack light. I said, what if the baby is born? He said, we can bring some cloth for swaddling. (laughs) I brought the blanket anyways. A baby needs a blanket. Just look at him, reaching for the light. God only knows what he will become. Look at you, my shy friend. You look as if you have no words. Standing there, adoring him. But how could we not adore him? Look at him, my fine son. My gift of love. Our gift of love. Sleep well, my fine boy. Sleep well, my gift of love. I wrote it down, what I saw, what you told me. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. God with us. That's what he is supposed to be called, this son. My servant, God called him. In whom my soul delights. What is that? I wrote it down. Here, here it is. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. So, Almighty, this this sun, this light, he is for everyone? Maybe this is what it means. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Hmm, maybe he is for the nations. Maybe many will come to him, come from afar.
We traveled mostly at night, which as anyone with a lick of intelligence would tell you is the most dangerous time to travel. Well, we never claimed to be smart, just wise. <laughs> we had our reasons, of course. Following a star is a bit, you know, difficult to do in broad daylight. Funny that. Great light seems to come out of great darkness. <laughs> Don't get me started philosophizing. We'll be here all night. <laughs> of course, we were directed. We were looking for royalty. And we brought the appropriate gifts, not to uh, overinflate my importance. But I've been in the outer courts of princes and kings. Noisy assemblages, those hangers-on in every corner. Quarters of favor, making endless racket, scheming, chattering, hoping for an audience with nobility. But none of that there. None of that. Silence. A lingering, calm, awestruck silence. No courting. No mindless chatter, just silence. There in the corner of the stable is a newborn boy, wrapped in cloths, lying in a feed trough, standing very still, tied behind him. Two milk goats, some chickens quietly pecked for grain. An exhausted woman and a peasant man both mute. Standing outside, several shepherds timidly watch, and all, all are silent. All eyes turn towards the baby boy. My companions, myself, we dare not speak. We gently lay our gifts on the ground. And then we move outside with the shepherds. And we're all in awe. You know, my friend, I've spent most of my years studying, analyzing, dreaming, trying to fit the truth of the pieces together. Religion and philosophy and, well, all of it, to fit it together so that life could make sense. Could come together in some truth-filled, complete whole. It's not been a search without meaning. Good job. And we're thankful for the journey. All of it. I am thankful for the journey. But now I know I've been led. Led by more than some star 
The hand of God Almighty has led me to the one in which all truth lives. Led to this. This boy. This baby. This king. The Christ. Tessa, have we had visitors? Visitors leaving things on my table. Some strange scroll with strange writing. And in my head, some strange man from some strange place. Tessa is right. I can't eat lamb this late at night again. But it was also real. What I saw, a child who brings peace. Shalom. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news, who establish peace. Huh. What if it was true? What if one man could bring peace? Joy! 
Come here, my son. I know you don't want to leave him, but let them have some quiet. Come sit here with me. Sit here and breathe deep. Breathe the breath of God. There is a word for it, what we breathe deep in the morning light. There is a word, shalom. My father taught it to me. I thought I knew it, the word shalom. But you see, when I was a young boy about your age, I was troubled, crying, because my papa told me that my lamb was to be brought to Passover for sacrifice. No, papa, I cried. No, please, find another lamb. But yours is our only perfect lamb, my son. He must be the lamb for sacrifice. I sat next to him, crying. And after a while, my papa laid his hand on my head, and he said to me, all will be well. And then he sighed and softly said, shalom, my son. Do you know what that means? I said, yes, Papa, it means peace. And my Abba kneeled down next to me and he took my face in his shepherd's calloused hands and he said, yes, peace, but more. And then he he put his hand on my heart and he said, quietly but surely, shalom, may God's highest and most complete good be upon you. That is my prayer for you. He left me this staff, my papa. He told me, someday you will need this staff when it is your time to protect the lambs from all that might harm them. Until then, be at peace. All will be well. I have looked for it. What he told me about shalom and peace all these years, even when it seemed that darkness had settled over my entire world, I looked for it. But then, there was the night the angels came. You can't forget it, can you? No, we can't forget it. It was quiet. No hint of wind, no clouds. Just stars, bright stars. She showed herself to us. Suddenly, an an angel brighter than the stars. Do not be afraid, she said. Her voice all at once, bold, but comforting. I bring you great news. Your Savior has been born to you and you will find Him lying in a manger. And then quiet for a moment as if the whole world was waiting to breathe. A Savior, God's highest 
and most complete good for me, for you, for us. And then suddenly, a multitude of angels shattered the silence. God's shalom on the earth. What my papa prayed, we have seen. Finally, shalom. Peace. 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 All will be well. Tessa, Tessa, where's the pitcher? Is there any water? Oh, here it is, never mind. (sighs) Whoever thought that Being a prophet could make you so thirsty. Such an odd mix of people I have in my head. Commoners, kings, a baby. And all of these I'm seeing. How to make sense of it. Lord, Almighty, you're calling your people to yourself. Such a strange way to save the world, to bring us joy. What is that you had me tell the people? Joy. What was that? Something about joy. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Ah, What I would give for that to be, for all sorrow and sighing to flee away. If it were only that simple, getting ransomed, finding joy, I fear not.
I'll only keep him out here for a little while. Don't worry, Mary. I know what I'm doing. Don't worry, boy. I do know what I'm doing. You'll be plenty warm. I got you wrapped up in your mother's old blanket that I told her not to bring with us. I only wish I knew what I was doing. Your mother now, she's the one who is certain. Ever since that visit from the angel, she knows, and now, she can't take her eyes off you. Well, I don't blame her. You are a sight for sore eyes. I had my own visit, you know, from an angel. Although mine was in a dream, but it doesn't make it any less real. Do you know what he told me, that angel? Oh, where did I put it? He said, ah, here it is. He, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. That is what the angel told me. That you will save the people from their sins. I don't know how... That will be, but I am done doubting. You are, you will be, our rescuer, our Messiah. And that is enough for me. And I, for some reason, have been chosen to be the Messiah's Papa. Some start you've had, huh? A 90-mile walk, so you could be born in a stable. Nothing for a bed. Let it feed off. And that gaggle of sheep herders who came, tripping over each other, telling their tales of the angels. Angels seem to be everywhere in this story. Your story. Angels everywhere. You know, I should be worried, boy, with all this, but I'm not. I believe there are old, old prophecies afoot. And I will rest in that. Your mother will have my hide if I don't get you back in there soon. But I wanted to show you the new star. I wanted to have a moment to, with you to myself. I wanted to tell you, thank you, my boy. Thank you for all of this. I don't know why, but it makes me happy. No, it's more than that. Uh, what, what do sheep herders say? They... The angel, he told them, I will bring you good news of, the, of great joy. Yes, that's it. Joy. Great joy. That is what you give me, my new fine boy. Great, great joy.
So, this is what you want me to tell them? The people, your people, who have been in dark exile now for so many years with their back up against the Babylonian wall. I know, I know. It's their fault, our fault. I know. But Lord, it's also strange. So strange. It was one thing when you had me tell the king that a virgin will give birth. Those who didn't laugh at me, who believed me, are still waiting on that one to happen. And I know your timing is not my timing, but... uh, Isaiah, come back to bed. Go back to sleep, my dear. I'm just talking to God. Is he listening to you? (laughs) Should I know if he's listening to me? Well, are you listening to him? Uh, What does she mean? Am I listening to him? Go back to sleep. I'm doing important prophet business. You see what I mean, God? Even my own wife questions me. Now, you are God Almighty, and you do things how you do things. It's just, Lord... Really, these images you gave me. Huh. He had no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. What is this, Lord? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. This is what you want me to tell him? That Messiah is going to be just some plain fellow like one of us? A plain fellow who suffers and dies. It's your universe, Lord. But really, who wants a plain Messiah who suffers and dies? What good will that do us? Uh, Ah, Tess, where's the oil for the lamp? Where is the oil? Never mind, found it. You see, Lord, this is what I'm talking about. We're a people in darkness, stumbling around in the dark, stubbing our toe on the sin of the world. We need someone to rescue us. We need Oh, there it is. Now, where was I? Oh yes, our rescuer. God, what about a Moses with his rod and staff? Or a David with his sling and sword who slays all our giants? But not some plain little baby who's going to suffer and die. Not some little baby who Ah, such a small flame, but yet it lights the whole room. Ah, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. This is what keeps me awake at night. The lamb. I am a man of unclean lips. Have mercy on me, Lord. I will tell them. I will tell them everything you have shown me, even if I don't understand it. Okay. Tessa, I'm coming to bed. I'm ready to sleep now. And in the morning, I will have much to tell you.
So just just sort of as a caveat this morning, I got up this morning prepared to give a 35-minute message. And Tim Wells said something to me last night that gave me pause, and this morning the Lord just enforced that pause. Um, I don't have a 35-minute message today. The notes you have in your bulletin are for next week. Um, we will, and, and I, I just, it just was really powerful to me, and I didn't want to rush through it, and I didn't want you to sit here till quarter to 12 either. And, and, but I do have some thoughts this morning. You know, God loves to operate differently than what we would call normal, doesn't he? I mean, you think about Isaiah, and there are few details about the, the birth of Jesus, or really even the death and the resurrection, really Jesus' whole life that fit into the description of normal. And that's really a good thing. Because if our God was somebody that we could define or describe or really truly understand, would he really be God? Would he really be all-powerful, almighty, present, everywhere, knowing all things, sovereign? Psalm 147.5 says this, How great is our Lord! His power is is absolute, his understanding is beyond comprehension. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that came as a baby. Born of a virgin. Only he could do it. Psalm 135, verse 6 says, The Lord does whatever pleases him throughout all heaven and earth and on the seas and in their depths. I'm okay with that. He's God. He knows it all. He is all. Uh, I just need to trust him. I just need to surrender to him and say, I'm yours. We all need to. He knows what's best, even though we don't understand it sometimes or it seems odd or crazy. He also doesn't honor people for the same reasons that the world honors them. He values faithfulness over fame and humility over power. On the night of his greatest miracle, instead of revealing himself first to kings and powerful people, who did he reveal himself to? Who got the the message that the Savior of the world had arrived? Shepherds? Guys, and I, I would assume gals too, who didn't uh, didn't get to socialize a whole lot. They... They smelled like sheep. Um, they were a different lot, I'm sure. Uh, Luke 2.8 tells us that the shepherds were living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. But even though they were socially isolated, smelling a bit different than everyone else, they were also devoted workers, living next to those animals whose care had been placed in in their hands. The shepherds were of low social status, but they were a faithful people. And God chose them to bring the message of the Savior. The greatest news in history. They were at the front of the line to meet the Son of God. I want to ask you this morning, how are you feeling this morning? It's six days to Christmas Day. 
This is the holiday season. This is a time when, when warm, fuzzy feelings and magic should be happening and thinking and, and going through our minds and our families. That's what we attempt with our children, right? We want them to experience this in the, the most surprising and, and incredible ways. But maybe you're feeling this morning unimportant or overlooked. Maybe, maybe there's great sadness Maybe even like the shepherds probably did at times, uh, you're feeling socially isolated or alone. I want to encourage you not to let that get in the way of your celebration of Jesus. You know, it's in those moments where we must cling to him. It's in those moments where we're not relying on ourselves, where we're right where God wants us to be. Don't use where you are as an excuse to stop investing in the things that God has given you to do. You may think, ah, my life, it really doesn't mean that much. I'm, I'm really not that important. I'm not really doing that much. Well, you know what? It's not so much about the things that you do. It's, it's who you are and whose you are. We need to remember that this Christmas season. Even if you feel your life is insignificant, give the life God has given you Give what you've got. You know, for some of you, it it might just be standing. You're like, I'm not even taking steps forward. I'm lucky to, to stand. You know what? That's okay. Stand in his presence. Stand before him. One of the major themes of the play this morning was prophecy. Isaiah. And what he wrote hundreds of years before it actually occurred. What an incredible part a man who lived so many hundreds of years before the birth of Christ had. Because of what God had him write down, because of the prophecy, the Jewish people had anticipated for hundreds of years the coming Messiah. Some of them missed it. Many of them didn't. They worshipped him. They fell down before him. They, They wanted, their expectation was one of a royal king, powerful, who would kick the Romans out and and return Israel to their rule. But God seldom does what we expect him to, doesn't he? In fact, when it did happen, they had trouble believing it. We, we see their surprise and their disbelief when they're told their Savior is born to a common family in a manger in Bethlehem. In fact, when... We look at it, it's the lowliest of places in a lowly town. And even though it was the town in the prophecies, (laughs) Bethlehem. What the Jewish people got did not meet their expectations. We need to realize this. If you have high expectations for this season or for what you think God should do for you or how you should feel, maybe it's time to change your expectations. Not trust yourself, but trust him. Look to him for those things. I mean, we want things to go just right. We don't want our kids to find their presence and peak. We try to hide all that stuff. And who doesn't want to be surprised, right? I mean, really, we want that. But it's always surprising serving our Savior and King. So let's worship and praise God for what he does, not what we think or maybe even what we expect him to do. Let's trust him in that.
Because God isn't in the business of meeting expectations. He's in the business of blowing them out of the water. Oh, I feel like you can see me now. And Jesus is an incredible example of God's exceeding goodness. Through Jesus, God met needs the Jewish people didn't even realize they had. Through Jesus, he meets the needs that we don't even realize that we had. He provided much more than fleeting prosperity of an earthly kingdom. He established his eternal kingdom, provided salvation, reconciled humans into right relationship with God, and he brought hope to a broken world. How often do we place our expectations on God, assuming that he's going to work things out according to our timeline and our plan? This, this habit isn't great for our faith because God rarely moves on our schedule. And his answers rarely match what we envision. We need to understand the difference between placing our expectations on God versus trusting in his plan and being expectant that he will see it through to completion in our lives, whatever that is. Placing our expectations on God can set us up for disappointment, frustration, and resentment when they go unmet. But having a healthy expectancy of what God's going to do next That can feed our faith. So this morning, what desire has God placed in your heart? This Christmas, find comfort in knowing that God wants to do more than meet your expectations. He wants to exceed them. Take heart in the fact that God can do far more than we could ever ask or even even imagine. Expect him to move, trust his process, and watch your faith grow. In Isaiah seven thirteen and 14, it says, Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. God with us. And then in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Next week, we are going to look at one of those ancient times. We're going to be in the book of Ruth next week, and we're going to see how amazing God is in preparing things, in preparing people, in putting those people he wants where, they, where, where he wants them to be and when he wants them to be there. You see, Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, they're all tied together with this Bethlehem thing. And with the line of Jesus. It's amazing to think about. It, it, it just gives me awe. So may our minds be on him this week. As it leads up to our Christmas Eve service. And our Christmas Day celebrations with our families. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the reminder that we have in Jesus. That you are graciously meeting needs. We don't even know we have. This Christmas, Father, I pray that you will give us confidence in what we hope for but cannot 
yet see. Help our faith in your faithfulness to increase. Thank you for being a God who exceeds our expectations. Your timing is perfect. Your plan is best. Lord, may we each say, have it your way, Father, in our life. And Father, this morning, I just want to lift up a couple people. I know Gary Stahl is going to be having surgery. I pray that you would guide the hands of the doctors. Lord, as TJ Christopher continues to struggle to recover from his triple bypass surgery, I pray that you would give him strength. He needs strength. Help him to have an appetite. For Bum Bum Gardner, as he continues to recover from his heart valve replacement, Lord, I pray that you would give him strength as well. And Lord, I see Carol here in church today by herself. Uh, Jim is was or still is in the hospital, I pray that you would just touch him. Father, he needs you to touch him. He needs you to do what only you can do. And may we all, Father, trust you for whatever that next step is. And thank you for placing value on what the world seems to overlook. Lord, as we face this season with whatever it is in front of us. A loss or a weird family dynamic. Maybe we we have families here who will be together, I'm sure, and I just pray that their time together would be a blessing and an honor and that it would be worshipful to you. Lord, help us to focus on you, our rescuer, our healer, the one who loves us, who forgives us, who is all-powerful and who doesn't do anything in the way that we would expect. I praise and thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you back here next week.